coming into um, our time in the Word. Um, I'm excited because we've got this little mini-series um, uh, about um, spiritual disciplines. So I'm preaching about spiritual disciplines, and some of us are familiar with spiritual disciplines. Like, spiritual disciplines like prayer, right? We should all be praying. Not just on Sunday, not just, look, we should all be praying. <laughs> Mama Kim says we should all, look, we should be praying. And not just on Tuesdays either. We should be praying every day, all day. <laughs> we should, listen, every day. We should, we should be reading scripture. That's a spiritual discipline. We should be fasting. We, those are spiritual disciplines. We should be fellowshipping with one another. We should worship. But... I'm actually going to spend some time over the next three weeks preaching about spiritual disciplines that we don't actually talk about a lot. <laughs> um, today, it's meditation. Uh, and meditation, so it can get a little bit, we can get a little bit leery when we use the word meditation. So we're going to talk through that today. Um, before we do, I'm going to pray for us. We'll be in Psalm 77 and then also Psalm 119. And We'll go through actually all of Psalm 77, uh, but let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and even just being able to take a minute and do some family stuff. Um, ultimately, God, this is your church. We are your people, and we want to honor you in how we fellowship. God, we also want to honor you and glorify you in how we live out your word. And so, God, give us grace, wisdom, and discernment to live out your word well. And Lord, um, have this time be a time where we hear from you, God, not just the people sitting down hear from you. We, me too, we want to hear from you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I think oftentimes when we hear the word meditation, even as believers, we see this picture. Yes. And we start getting antsy. <laughs> like where we hear the word like I actually remember being a kid like and being in church and they were like mm -mm, no no we don't do that we don't we don't we don't meditate <laughs> so, and, then, and and there's times even like now where my kids are being you know they're just being silly being kids and they'll be on the on the floor crisscross applesauce and they're like wait a minute wait where are you going with that <laughs> what's happening right now i'm gonna need to know what you're doing what you're humming like <laughs> who you humming to right <laughs> from a biblical standpoint meditation looks different than the ways in which we've saw in popular culture, and even in Eastern religions. But I'm also not going to separate meditation from that because there's some value in what we learn from mindfulness. But from a, from a scriptural standpoint, meditation simply means reflection, right? The definition of meditation from a biblical standpoint is the act or process of engaging in contemplative, me, contemplation or reflection. And that is something that scripture encourages and even prescribes for us over and over and over, is that we have reflection time. Yes. And honestly, in the United States, I know we're getting 
kind of good about talking about mindfulness. So if you have a watch, a smart watch, it may tell you every once in a while, did you breathe yet today? <laughs> like like some, of the, some of the watches now, they even have a mindfulness reminder. Uh, there's things like Calm, um, and there's even, um, there, like Calm is on Netflix now. Like there's a lot of ways in which we can now, as American human beings, engage in the act of settling ourselves. And that's a piece of what I'm talking about. But from a spiritual, scriptural standpoint, it is to reflect. It's to actually pause yourself for a moment and think backward. We're so accustomed to thinking forward. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with moving forward. There's nothing wrong with going in a forward progression. I think that's how we're able to grow. But that's growing up. If we are to see ourselves like a tree planted by the rivers of water, growing down, allowing our roots to spread, means reflecting, means slowing down. And I talked about it during our musical time of worship, but it's reflecting over the last couple of years as a pastor. I've had moments where I've been able to pause and reflect about what was going on during, um, during the height of this pandemic. But the truth is, because, you're, because I'm leading a community of people, there's not a lot of time. Like there's people who, are, who need me. Who, and so like I wake up ready to, to serve, wake up ready to see what is needed for the day, wake up seeing who I need to text, wake up seeing who, where I, what emails I've gotten, wake up seeing who I need to phone call, who has there been a loss in our family, I wake up ready to pray for our family because it's crazy out here, and there's not a lot of time to just sit. <laughs> and that's just being a pastor. Y'all got stuff too. <laughs> and we're not actually even encouraged to. Not even as Christians, to be honest. And so this spiritual discipline of reflection, if I can paint a picture, I'll just reiterate, looking forward helps us to grow up. But reflecting allows us to grow down and to stabilize ourselves. And we actually don't have maturity to enjoy the fruit of growing up if we don't take time to reflect. Right? We don't have maturity to enjoy the fruit of our growing up if we don't take time to reflect. Right? So that's from a biblical standpoint, that's what meditation is. I'm going to read Psalm 77, though. It'll show up on the screen as well. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands and would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. 
You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his hand, excuse me, his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people the descendants of Jacob and Joseph, the waters you saw you, God, the waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, through your footprints, excuse me, though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That's a long chapter. It's 20 verses. But I don't think that we can grasp what's happening if we don't actually read the whole chapter. That's kind of how the Psalms work, right? Like if you have a song that you like that comes on the radio or that you put on like Spotify or whatever, it's like somebody cutting it off halfway through, especially when they get to your favorite part. Like that's kind of how Psalms work. There you can kind of pull a little bit out of a song, but to really understand what the author is doing, you got to read the whole thing. And the reason why we read the whole thing is, and I hopefully you caught this at the beginning this author is struggling. <laughs> Not even with a G at the end. Struggling. <laughs> struggling. <laughs> it's not just that the world around them is caving in on them. No, they're actually starting to question, is, has God abandoned them? Have you been there? Some of us are there. We're there right now. We're there in our finances. And every single time we pass by a gas station, we ask God, breathe into my tank, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Listen, it's all right. We're family. I done had that prayer happen a few times in my life. Just keep me going, Jesus. <laughs> Get me home. <laughs> Some of us are there with our children, if we have children, and it's hard. Some of us are there in our relationships, friendships, marriages. Some of us are there in our jobs. Some of us are there just because we're there. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, God, have you abandoned me? I remember hearing you clearly last month, and I cannot, I feel like you just, radio silence, like my, I lost cell phone service to the most high. I don't know what it is, but I don't feel like you're here. 
If we haven't felt that yet, just keep living. This psalmist is in this space. And we have a lot of strategies that we, ha- that, that we would employ at that moment. Some of us, this is to go get cookies. Just letting y'all know what my vice is. Okay, if you see your boy at Crumble, know that it's been a hard day. <laughs> Some of us, it is to binge watch television. Some of us, it actually is to kick back with a little bit of alcohol or a lot of it. Let's be real. It's okay. We get to be real human beings. We find ways to numb out and stop thinking about the fact because, and it's weird, because I want to trust God so much, I don't want to think about him abandoning me. So I'm willing to actually not think about anything rather than to ask if he's still there. (laughs) But this psalmist begins to reflect And the reflection is interesting. It first starts off with, what have you done in the recent past? And then it goes real deep. Then he goes back to delivering them from from Egypt. And then he like starts talking about these raging waters. He goes from the recent past, reflects all the way back to when God started making stuff. Why? Because sometimes we're in so deep that we need to reflect on God's faithfulness throughout all of time. And while it is more comfortable and more entertaining, quite honestly, for me to numb out and to not think, a spiritual discipline is to sit there for a second and make myself remember. And that's not always easy. That's not always easy. That's why we start off with the, God, thank you that you woke me up this morning. God, last week I didn't know how that bill was going to get paid, but you did it. God, thank you that you've done some amazing things in my marriage. God, thank you that you've done some amazing things in my relationship with my parents. God, thank you that you've done some amazing things and even changing how I thought about my singleness. God, you've done some amazing things and how, the, and like you start going years back. Reflection Oftentimes, it's not the medicine for getting out of my situation. It's the thing that grounds me. And that says, this moment of wind that's causing me to flap back and forth won't be the thing that causes me to lift up out of the ground. Reflection is the thing that allows me to grow down. It's the thing that, and then I come out of that, I'm going to be real with you. You don't come out of that feeling like, like, like everything got changed. No, that's not the point of reflection. The point of reflection isn't to change my circumstance. The point of reflection is to, for me to realign myself with the goodness and the glory and the faithfulness and the consistency of God. That's what, in terms of what Psalm 77 is prescribing, right? There's other ways and reasons to reflect, and we'll talk about those in a moment. But Psalm 77 becomes this great example of my life is trash right now. But God, you've been good here. You've been good there. You've been good here. And you did this and you made stuff out of nothing. And then that allows me to be able to get up 
and say, you're going to be good in this too. Right? That's the point of reflection as it relates to Psalm 77. But another psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. If you've been one of those people who have read the Bible in a year, when you get to Psalm 119, if you're supposed to read that in one day, you look at it like, okay, Holy Spirit, give me what I need. (laughs) It's long. It's 176 verses. But let me tell you a little bit about why it's that before we, before we move it. And most times, most Bibles, if you have a paper Bible, this is also a cool thing. If you turn right to the middle, you'll end up in Psalm 119. It doesn't matter what Bible you have. It's just kind of a cool thing about how the Bible is outlined. Um, you'll end up right there at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 um, is believed to be, have been written by David. And David writes this long poem about how he likes God's law how much he loves the word of God. And the poem is set out by every alphabet. That's why it's so long, right? So if you think A, he gives this eight verse poem about it. B, eight verse poem. C, so on and so forth. And that's why it's so long because it's the whole Hebrew alphabet laid out in this poem and and David is reflecting on and admonishing God for his word. So Psalm 19, if you ever want to like, like spend a little bit of time kind of developing your passion for God's word, Psalm 19 is a great place to go. But we're going to read one of those poems. It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditated on, meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Your commands are always with me, and they make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. There's a lot that's happening in here, but one of the things that I find was the most exciting about this is this idea of meditating on God's word throughout the day. And that being the thing that he attributes, I'm wiser than my enemies because I meditate on your word. I'm wiser than even the elders around because I obey it. (laughs) Is he being arrogant? No. He's talking about how a an actual love of God's word has actually borne fruit in his life that actually puts him in a position to be successful in life. To be successful in spaces where people would actually accuse him, but also to be successful among individuals who perhaps should have gone further than him, should be further, but he's actually further than them. That's not being arrogant. He's just acknowledging As I live and love this word, things happen around me 
that positioned me for success. This meditating on God's word thing is sometimes challenging for us, though. It's okay. We get to be real. Sometimes when I get into a quiet space with the word of God, I fall asleep. (laughs) I'm only being honest because that's what we have to be as human beings. If we're going to talk about meditation, we're going to talk about why it's a lesser talked about uh, spiritual discipline. It's because sometimes reading scripture is boring. I know y'all saved, but <laughs> he was like, well, did he just say reading scripture is boring? Yes, I just said read because you get to numbers and all them begets and you get, you get to Leviticus and you're trying to figure out why it matters that you can't have shrimp. And then you get to Acts and you're trying to figure out what's going on. It's not fun all the time. And we start believing that. And and then we get discouraged because I feel like I should love God so much that reading through Judges is supposed to be fun. So when I read Judges and it's not fun, then I don't like it and I don't like me. And then I just close the Bible. We feel shame about not having an attention span long enough to navigate as Nehemiah. And that's okay. We get to be real humans about that. That's actually one of the, that's one of my favorite parts about this. This idea of meditating all day doesn't mean I sit in a quiet, dark room and just read scripture all day. It is to allow a portion of scripture to be something that I come back to over and over in the day to reflect on. Even if it's one, two verses, I come back to it. I may start my day with that passage. Go about getting ready for work. Before I leave the car, take a few minutes to just reflect on what you remember from the passage. And then when I hit my lunch break, take a second. I'm not saying a half an hour every time you crack open the book. The beauty of meditation or reflecting on scripture is that I'm allowing the word of God to actually wiggle its way deep into how I process. Another thing, I've said this a couple of times, I said it about slavery with me in scripture. Anytime I read any verse in the Bible that has anything to do with slavery, I cringe a little bit and I got to stop. Because because of our country's history with slavery, it just is what it is. I can't read that and just keep moving. I've said that even about women. I've never been a woman before, but there's sometimes things in Scripture that I imagine, sisters, when you read it, it's like, listen. I got to take a minute. (laughs) Yep, that's okay. And we get discouraged because I feel like I should be more mature than this spiritually than to get, get emotionally worked up about something in scripture. Nope, you shouldn't be that mature. No, that's, that's just called being a human. We have triggers and that's normal. And we should allow those triggers to motivate us to seek God. Like pause, right in the middle. Don't even finish the verse. 
If, the, if it shows up in the middle of the verse, just put your finger on the word. Pause and say, God, I don't even know what to do with this. I don't even need to, don't even seek to understand it first. God, I don't know what to do with this. Because every single time I read this kind of stuff in your word, I just want to just throw the book away. Can you imagine someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus reading that? (laughs) This is actually how we, one, allow the Holy Spirit to move in us, but also, two, how we help others to be able to engage in Scripture. Because ultimately what happens when we begin to take that moment to reflect, meditate, and seek God, I may not come away with any more understanding, but my intimacy with God has been developed deeper. That's the point of reflection. Deeper. If I go into reading the Bible and say, I'm going to crack the code on why God doesn't like women, you're going to, you're going to, all you're going to do is go into the Bible and come out mad. Because the Bible isn't, that's not how the Bible is written. It's not, it's not written to navigate my triggers. It's just not. If I go into scripture and I, my initial intent is to seek God, when I am triggered, then I actually can seek God. And then what happens after I seek God is that intimacy begins to create a space yes. for me to mature through the trigger. Yes. And to be honest, is that quick? No, nothing in meditation is quick. Yes. <laughs> nothing in roots growing is fast. Is that the same for everybody? No. That's why we have a loving father who knows me by name. Amen. Knows exactly what I need. And if I, in that moment, stop, pause, and trust him with it, then I get to experience having roots that go deep. And that's the point of reflection. And when I meditate on the word of God and allow it to get inside of who I am, I get to live out the word of God. And when I live the word of God, I'm wiser than my enemies. I'm wiser than the people trying to block me from that promotion. When I live out the word of God, I'm wiser than even my supervisor that's making it difficult for me. Dot, dot, dot. Put your thing there. (laughs) When I live out scripture, that's what happens. So some things that actually make it difficult for us. Meditation requires us to slow down. There's a really good book that we have read here as a staff called Addicted to Hurry by Kirk Byron Jones. Kirk Byron Jones is a really good author. He writes some really good uh, Christian material, but Addicted to Hurry is a really good book. And it talks about why we have a hard time slowing down (laughs) as Americans and even as Christians. But I wanted to show you this picture because um, my particular challenge with reflection has been when I slow down, I feel a tidal wave come. And what that tidal wave has been for me is years of pain that I have not yet resolved 
conflicts that are still looming, temptations that I'm typically running away from as opposed to trying to have self-control about, and ultimately the fear of finding that I'm not as valuable as I think I am. I'm just being honest with you. That's what, that's what causes me to not want to slow down. That has been it for me for years. I've had to mature through that. But I'm going to be honest, when I first, like, I, so Monday is the day where I kind of, it's like it's a Sabbath for me. Like, I don't, if you try to text me on a Monday, you will likely receive a text early on Tuesday morning. Not because I don't like you, <laughs> but it's just because I, like, it's, just, it's that moment of just nothing. But when I first started doing that, the first three months were crazy. It was hard because I would get to Monday morning and immediately my natural rhythm was go, 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 go. But I was making myself stop and sit and process. And when I did, I started, a whole bunch of stuff started coming. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. I'm staying busy because busy is the way in which when all those things come, the temptation for pornography comes. That was my thing. The temptation for pornography comes. And because I don't want to deal with the temptation for pornography, let me just clean up. <laughs> let me write emails. Let me write a song. <laughs> but when you just sit there and you don't give yourself the busyness as the, the numbing out for me, and I have to figure out and reflect on the fact that I've traded busyness for self-control. And I haven't even allowed the Holy Spirit to do the work in me to actually give me the strength to actually fight the temptation. I'm just running away from it. <laughs> and that only happens when I sit there and I give myself time to reflect. And then there's a whole bunch of things that start showing up. I told God half, so it took about three months for me to get into a space where I was actually okay. And halfway through that, I was like, God, if this is what rest felt like, I'd rather just work every day. <laughs> Literally, that's, that was my moment. Like, if this is what rest feels like, I'd rather just work every day. And it really wasn't until about that three-month mark, so that's 13 Mondays, where I found a, a rhythm of being able to actually see, oh, there's some fruit here. I'm actually healed of some things. I don't actually have the temptation the way that I did before. And I can say with confidence that if, there was not, if that didn't exist in my life, the temptation would still be there. Amen. Being honest, Amen. just being honest. I can, in that, that, by that point in my life, I was pretty sustained, like pretty consistently not messing with pornography, but the temptation was still there. But I, but I believe that it was in that season of just slow down, reflect. I'm going to heal some things that allow you to have deeper roots. So even when the temptation does come, you have a sustainability that makes it so that you don't feel like this all day, Chase. That's, that is what reflection does. That's the spiritual discipline of reflection. 
it bears a fruit that quite honestly, we will not experience without it. And you will be running away from anxiety your whole life without reflection. You'll be running away from temptation, from shame, from, from conflict, from dot, 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 insert your thing, your whole life, afraid of what comes with the wave, if we don't allow ourselves to just sit there for a minute and trust God in it. I'm telling you, it took three months for me. I'm only telling you that because I just want you to have an expectation. If you've never done that before in your life, don't expect it to be week two. If you've been going 30, 40, 50, 60 years and just going, the moment you try to reflect, you will fall asleep and you will wake up <laughs> like, oh man, I did not do great. Nope, it's okay. It's a spiritual discipline for a reason. A discipline means that I come back to it. I come back to it. I come back to it. Meditation requires us to be and remain vulnerable. You can't actually be in a space of reflection and motivation, or excuse me, in meditation and be hiding at the same time. You can't. Sorry. And it would be nice. It would be nice if, that, if we could reflect fully clothed spiritually, but no. <laughs> no. And I say that there's a grace that God gives us at the beginning of that. If this is a new discipline for me, I don't have to get completely vulnerable. But if, I, if it is my desire to experience deep roots, the deeper I go, the more I'm going to have to expose to the Father. And I'm going to have to not be comfortable there, content there. Catch the difference. God's not after my comfort in reflection. But contentment, yes. I'm content to know that there's a good here, even if in the moment it's challenging. There's a good here. And as I reflect and as I think back and as I process and I ponder and I take things to them, that is the space where my roots go deep and the nutrients that comes from the ground that I've been planted in gets into the tree. And that's when I start experiencing real fruit. Because there ain't no real fruit that grows without nutrients. And so the last kind of thing is a verse. <clears throat> Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. This world's pattern is to just keep going. It's <laughs> just the case, making sure we're real clear. That's not the only pattern, but that's one of them <laughs> as it relates to this. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Some of us don't know how to pray because we don't know what God's will is. Pause for a second. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so this last image Meditation, as we have often seen it in popular culture, is to try to do this, is to clear our mind. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's actually some good benefit for us in being able to stop for a second, check in with your body. But if you stop there, 
then you're just checking in with your body. And there's nothing wrong with that. Do it. Okay? Hear me. Hear me clearly. Do that. But from a biblical standpoint, when it comes to meditation and reflection, we have another step after that. I check in with my body, and then I check in with my God. Right? The first part allows me to not have all of the extra. The second part allows me to go deep with them. Check in with my body, then I check in with my God. And that's the kind of stuff that causes us to bear fruit in our lives that truly, truly, we look back 10 years and like, man, I don't even know how I got through that, God. <laughs> like, like, right, many of us are looking for a Red Sea moment miracle, but oftentimes God does over a decade of looking back. I don't even know how I did that. How did you, you, you are good, God. Like, right? <laughs> you have those moments where you're driving a car. Man, you're good. Because <laughs> you remember where you were. So I want to give us a little bit of a moment. This is not going to be no long reflection. But I do want you to take a second to pause. If it's a discipline, then that means we need to keep coming back to it. And we'll grow in the discipline. But I want you to think, before you leave this room, think over the next week, when can I put a, a moment in to just reflect? Nothing else. No goal. I'm not trying to do anything. Just a moment. For some of us, that's in the morning. Great. For some of us, you have a hard enough time just opening your eyes, let alone opening your mind to Jesus. So, like, it might not be in the morning. That's okay. But just take a second. Some of us already know that the moment you started thinking about it, the enemy just told you all of the different things that you have to do that's going to crowd that out. It's okay that we call that a lie. That's a lie. If God can multiply fishes and loaves, he can multiply moments too. And that which I give in reflection he can multiply on the back end. I pray for us. So, Father, this discipline requires discipline. <laughs> Give us grace here. Not just grace to mess up, but grace to figure it out. Give us grace to figure it out, to fumble through it, God. And give us patience to fumble through that process. And perseverance 
to mess up through that process. Not because that's our desire, but give us a long-term view of this discipline of meditation and on your word and reflection on your goodness. Give us a long-term view. And when I'm disappointed with myself, God, that it didn't go well, Holy Spirit, encourage us. Encourage us. You do that so masterfully. I come to the idea of reflection, Lord, potentially afraid of some things, Lord. We come afraid of what will be there. Lord, we know that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of joy and a strong mind, a sound mind, God. And so, Lord, may we go into it with that kind of thought. Your love, your peace, your sound mind that you've blessed us with, God. And if I start off with just two minutes, God, I give you the two minutes in that reflection, may it be multiplied for your glory. If at the end of my life, it's still only two minutes, may it be multiplied for your glory, God. And the last thing, Father, guard our hearts against making this a legalistic thing. This isn't about getting it right. This is not about pleasing you. It's about developing intimacy with you and nothing else. And this is just like any other relationship requires some intentionality on our part. So may we be intentional, not legalistic, but intentional. In Jesus' name, amen.